Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The Old Testament is divided into four major sections. The law... History, prophecy, and poetry. Law, history, poetry, and prophecy. The law, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus. These relate to Israel's moral life. History books, Joshua, Judges, please listen. Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. And these relate to Israel's national development and life. The poetry books, Job, Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. These relate to Israel's spiritual life. And then the prophetic books, the prophetic books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And of course, the book of Revelation relate to Israel's future life as fulfilled in the Messiah. The prophetic books, as you know, have you been with me? The prophetic books are divided into two sections, the major prophets and the minor prophets. The major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, which was also written by Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. The minor prophets are Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So Samuel... 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel is in the historical section of the Old Testament. Now, here's an outline of the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, chapter 1 through 7, you already know this, but I'm just reminding you. Paul said, it's good to remind you of these things. And so I'm going to remind you. 1 Samuel, chapters 1 through 7, is written about Samuel. 1 Samuel, chapters 8 through 15, It's written about Hussein, Saul, who is the first king of Israel. You know that. And then 1 Samuel 16 through 31 is written about David, who is anointed king. If you were with us last week in chapter 19, we learned that Jonathan had a deep love and respect for David, and they trusted each other. In chapter 18, verse 3 through 4, uh, you might want to peruse there. If you like, just keep up with me. Chapter 18, verse 3 through 4, the Bible tells us that Jonathan and David had made a covenant. And Jonathan took off his robe and he gave it to David. And Jonathan was saying, David, here's the royal robe that is mine by birth, but yours by divine choice and ordination from the sovereignty of God. Look at verse 6 of chapter 18. David is returning from battle with the Philistines, and some of the ladies came out dancing and rejoicing, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David has slain his ten thousands. Verse 8, Saul was angry. Are y'all with me? 
and jealous because they ascribed 10,000 to David and only 1,000 to Saul. And from this point on, Saul wanted David dead. Now, chapter 18, Saul sent David on a dangerous mission to get 100 foreskins of the Philistines, thinking surely they will kill him. And then in chapter 18, David, he went to battle with the Philistines and he killed not only 100, but 200 men of the Philistines. And he brought back 200 foreskins. Um, You see that Saul was angry and jealous of David. He wanted David dead. Saul understood the Lord was with David and the spirit of God had come upon David and left Saul. Now Saul wants David dead. And so he does many things to kill him. Chapter 19 Saul puts out a contract on David's life. We talked about chapter 19 last week. We talked about Jonathan told David, go to chapter 19. Jonathan told David that his dad was trying to kill him. And Jonathan loved David, as I said, and talked to his dad and uh, and talked his dad out of killing David. Look at verse 6 of chapter 19. Saul gave his word that he wouldn't kill David. We learned Saul was double-minded. Didn't we talk about it last week? He was double-minded, and his word wasn't worth anything. As one minute he's swearing David will live, and the next minute he's throwing javelins at David. So David is a threat to Saul's kingship. David is becoming more and more popular the more and more battles he fights, and Saul becomes more and more afraid that the people will like David. Saul is king by popular opinion. David is king by the command of God. This is key for you to understand. Saul is king by popular opinion. David is king by the command of God. Chapter 19, look at verse 9. David is sitting in the house with a guitar in his hand and a distressing spirit. Chapter 19, verse 9, a distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul. And that distressing spirit, we talked about it, that God had removed his protective spiritual covering. That's what it means. God had removed his protective spiritual covering. Verse 10 Here comes a javelin. David probably said, I knew it was too good to be true. Saul's trying to kill David. He escapes to Ramah to talk to Samuel. David tells Samuel everything that happened and all that Saul was doing is in Ramah that David and Samuel, this is where we left off last time. David and Samuel and the messengers of Saul began to prophesy and worship and praise God. And then Saul arrives in Ramah looking for David, and he also begins to worship and praise God. If you missed that teaching last week, you might want to try and pick it up in the bookstore tonight. We pick up in chapter 20, and I've titled this sermon, An Arrow to the Heart, and you'll know why in just a second. First Samuel chapter 20, saints, we pick up in verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. Well, then David fled from Naoth and Ramah, And he went and he said to Jonathan, what have I done? What is my iniquity and what is my sin before your father that he seeks to kill my life? So Jonathan said to him, by no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, either great or small, without first telling me. And why would my father hide this thing from me? It is not so, David. And then David took an oath again and said, your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he said, do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step. Please underline this. But there is but a step between me and death. 
So Jonathan said to David, whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. And David said to Jonathan, indeed, tomorrow is the new moon. And I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go that I might hide in a field until the third day for three days at evening. And if your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. And if he says thus, it is well, your servant will be saved. But if he's very angry, be sure that evil is determined upon him, Jonathan. Therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant. This is David talking. For you have brought your servant into a covenant with the Lord, with you, covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, David says, then you kill me yourself. For why should you bring me to your father? I don't want to die at the hands of your father. I'd rather die at the hands of a friend. But Jonathan said in verse 9, far be it from you, for I know certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you. And then would I not tell you? And David said to Jonathan, who will tell me? What if your father answers roughly? And Jonathan said to David, come, let's go in the field. Let's talk about it. So they both went out into the field to devise a plan. Stop right there. Give me your attention. David is on the run from Saul in chapter 19. I love chapter 20. I was reading it all the last couple of days and just getting so excited to get here and teach it because I love this chapter. I absolutely love this chapter. And so will you. David is on the run from Saul in chapter 19. And now he's leaving Samuel in Ramah. And David finds Jonathan and he says, man, what have I done to your dad? What sin have I committed that your dad wants to kill me? David says, what in the world is going on? I can't believe it. And David is spent. You getting that feeling? David's tired. He's tired of his father, Saul, trying to kill him. Jonathan's father trying to kill him. David's tired, and so he's pouring out to Jonathan. Jonathan, what have I done that your dad is trying to kill me? Now, we talked about this. That David, we talked about this last Wednesday. David has lost everything. He's lost his position, his home, his wife, his reputation, his confidence. And God, remember we talked about this? And that we, I even put, if you've been to our website, about, I wrote a blog on sanctified loneliness. Sanctified loneliness. If you haven't read it, please go read it. Because this is the place that David is in. This is the heart that David is experiencing now. This sanctified loneliness. And this sanctified loneliness is ordained of God. This is not something that's just happening to his life. This is something that is specifically ordained of God because God is trying to do a work in David. And in order for God to do a work in you, he has got to get you apart and away and quiet. And still. Be still and know that I'm God. Wait, I say on the Lord, wait. Be patient. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Be patient and wait on the Lord. David is in that place where God has just got him separate. 
and he is spent. He is tired. He is tired of trying to be killed. I, I would be too. He's tired of it. He's, he's just had enough. And God has taken everything. He's lost everything at this point. His position, his home, his wife, his reputation, his confidence. As I said, that God is knocking every single human crutch from under David. And God is stripping everything away so David could only lean on him. That's a word for somebody here. God is stripping everything away so you can only lean on him. Because when you ain't got nothing left, then you can only lean on God. It's almost like when you get so low, there ain't no place else to look but up. So God has David at this place. When God knocks everything away, all you have is him. And now he says, why is your dad wanting to kill me? What have I done? Verse 2, Jonathan said, you're not going to die. Calm down. Jonathan said, you're not going to die. My dad will do nothing without telling me first. In other words, I'm close to him. And he lets me know what's going on. Look at verse 3. David said, Jonathan, I swear, your dad knows how close we are. As sure as I'm standing here, I had you underline this, I am a step away from death. Now listen. How many of you know, every time you read the word of God, you get something else? Every time. I don't care if you've been teaching the Bible for 50 years. I don't care if you've been teaching the Bible for 50 days. Every time you read God's word, and that's why the Bible says it's the living word of God. Are y'all listening? That's why the Bible says it's the living word of God, because it, it keeps on giving. It keeps on giving you something more and more. And every time you read it, and, and me, I've been reading the Bible for a long time. And I've been teaching the Bible for, I don't know how many years, honey? 25, 26, then 28, somewhere around there? Long as I've been saved, pretty much. Amen. I need you to come stand up here with me. <laughs> Just whisper in my ear. <laughs> long as I've been saved. And every time you read, you know, somebody once said God's word is deep enough for a theologian to drown in and shallow enough for a baby to swim in. And that's so, so true. And this statement here in verse three, I don't think I've ever seen this before. I just, if I did, I don't remember. I don't think I've ever seen this before, that there is but a step between me and death. Man, that just hit me. Again, we've just come from a conference and I'm in a hotel room um, preparing this sermon, between the hotel room and the car, preparing this sermon. And this really just jumped out to me. There is a step between me and death. At this point, listen, David, if you're taking notes, write this down. At this point, David has a real sense of his own mortality. I am a step away from death. Four things I want to share with you about this step. Got a pen? Four things about this step. It's a short step. It's a short step. It's a sudden step. And it's a sweet step. It's a short step, a short step, a sudden step, and a sweet step. First of all, it's a sure step. In other words, every single one of us will take this step toward death. Somebody say amen. That is true. It might be when you're 80, it might be when you're 90, but you're going to take, or it might be next week, we don't know. But everyone is going to take this step. We are not indestructible. Listen, young folks, you are not indestructible. 
I know you think you are because you have a six pack and you think you are indestructible. You do not realize that one day that six pack will become a one pack. Where my brother's at? That six pack will someday become a one pack. So just keep on waiting. Keep on living. Amen. Keep on living. Right? You are but a step away from death. Life is short. And we need to prepare for death. We need to prepare for that one step. It was Psalm, Moses, Psalm 90, verse 12. Moses said, teach us the number of our days that we might know wisdom. Think about that. Are y'all praying for me? Think about that. Moses, think about this. Led the longest funeral possession, possession in the history of the world. Moses led the longest funeral possession in the history of the world. Moses watched more than millions of Israelis die in the wilderness. It was a sure step. And that's why we need to prepare for it, because it's going to happen. Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, what, saints? Judgment. Think about it. The moment you take your first breath in the world, the next breath you take, you're on your way to this sure step. Somebody once said, only those who are prepared to die are really ready to live. We do all kinds of things to prepare for life, don't we? we? We do nothing to prepare for death. When the truth is, death is the only sure thing. There is but a step between you and death. Not only is it a sure step, but it's a short step. Stay with me. Job 14.1. Man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. James 4, 14, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Isn't that true? I remember when I was 15, and I remember thinking, and we've all done this. When you're like 15, 16, you think, man, when I get, a, when I get to 30, I'm going to be done. Uh, man, I'm going to be old. When I get to 30, I'm really old. And then when you get to 30, you think, man, when I get to 50, I'm going to be really, whew, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to walk. When I get to 50, right? Do, right? And then when you get to 50, you go, you know, this ain't so bad. I feel pretty good. <laughs> Y'all young people don't know what I'm talking about. Right. And, and then when you get to, you know, you get to 60 and you think, oh, you know what? Uh, I, 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 I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it to the end. I'm going to see what the end's going to be. <laughs> you kind of get, you know, it gets further and further and further and further out. <laughs> it's a short step, a short step, a sudden step. In other words, you don't know when God will call you home. God can interrupt your life at any time. Luke chapter 12, verse 20. But God said unto him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you than those who Whose will those be, whose will those be which you have provided? Rachel died on the table giving childbirth to Benjamin. It seems Zanias and Sapphira died during a church service in Acts chapter 5. You know the story. Samson died in the middle of captivity by the Philistines. Saul and Jonathan died in the battle against the Philistines. Interesting. David said, I'm one step from death, but Jonathan died before David. Interesting. 
One last thing about death, according to the Bible, it's a sweet step. Psalm 116, verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his, anybody know? Saints, you know that. It's perpetual gladness. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. There is a perpetual gladness in the presence of the Lord and in the perfect glory of the Lord. And when a saint dies, like your grandma, she knew the Lord and she was a godly woman. Or your husband, he knew the Lord and he was a godly man. Precious. The Bible says that is precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. That should give you hope. That should give you encouragement. That's why we don't weep like the world weeps. And we, we, we don't, when somebody dies and they go to be, we know they go to be with the Lord. We don't, we don't grieve like the world grieves. Thank you, Lord. That's the word I'm looking for. We don't grieve like the world grieves, do we? Huh? The world grieves like there's no hope. They have no hope. They don't know. They don't, they don't know. They don't have hope. They have no hope. If you believe that we die and you go into nothingness, well, there's no hope there. Or you die and we come back re- reincarnated, there's no hope there. But if you believe that we die and we go in the presence of the Lord and, 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 and our death is precious in the sight of the Lord, That almost gives you the feeling that when a saint dies, Jesus is standing right there. When they take their last breath here, Jesus is standing right there to say, come now into the joy of the Lord. I'm trying to help you. Precious. I love that verse. Memorize that verse. Memorize that verse. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death. Of his saints. Verse 3 in 1 Samuel is so true. There's only one step between you and death. So David is trying to convince Jonathan that his dad's going to kill him. Now understand something all that David is going through is God, as I mentioned. All that David is experiencing is David's path to the throne. Write that down. All that David is experiencing is David's path to the throne. Everything that David is going through is necessary for him to become the king that God is calling him to be. So David will not die at the hand of Saul because God waited for him. And God has a timing for David to die. And if David was going to... See, this ought to help you to kind of understand how... um, depressed David is and how discouraged he is. You know, there's but one step between me and death. Your father's trying to kill me. What have I done? What's going on? I don't know what's happening. Listen, David, if you were going to die, you would have died at the hands of a bear. David, if you were going to die, you would have died at the hands of a lion that you tore up with your own bare hands. David, if you were going to die and God wanted you dead, then Goliath would have stepped on you like an ant. See, we forget. Y'all listen to me. We forget what God has done when we're going through something. We forget what God has done when we're going through something. We forget. 
Listen, if God wanted you dead, you'd be dead. Clive would have stepped on you like an ant, boy. No problem. God has it. He would have died at the hands of the Philistines. David will not leave this world one second before God says come. And we won't leave this world one second before God says come. And that's why we don't have to fear death. God knows your step. Daniel 5, 23. God holds your breath in his hands. Acts 17, 29. For in him we live and move and have our being. Job 12, 10. In whose hand is life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Well, in verse four, Jonathan saw David was serious. And Jonathan said, look at verse four. Jonathan said, what can I do? He sees David as serious. What can I do? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.